You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hi, everyone. Good morning or good evening. Um, (laughs) Welcome to the Skylight Books Crowdcast channel. My name is Hallie. I am the events manager here at Skylight. Um, We're really excited to be here today with Maria Sanchez and Curtis Bauer. Maria Sanchez is a Spanish writer and field veterinarian and the author of Field Notebook, Seedbed, Land of Women, a bestseller in Spain, with translations into French and German and English now. Um, Her poetry and prose have been translated into French, Portuguese, English, and German, and she is a regular contributor to publications on literature, feminism, and rural culture. She lives in Galicia, Spain. She is joined today by Curtis Bauer. Curtis is the author of three poetry collections, most recently American Selfie. He has translated poetry and prose from Spanish for Luis Munoz and other authors. His translation of Jeanette Clarion's Image of Absence won the International Latino Book Award for Best Nonfiction Book Translated from Spanish to English. He is the director of Texas Tech University's Creative Writing Program and lives in Lubbock, although I think he mentioned that he is not there right now. Um, But please join me in welcoming them to the virtual stage. Great. Hello, everyone. Buenas tardes. I'm going to say a couple of a few words uh, before I turn turn the screen over to Maria. I just want to add uh, a few things to Maria's bio. Um, she's no longer working, or she no longer has the same job that she had when she was writing this book. Uh, the work she does now combines language and veterinary work. Uh, she works with autonomous autonomous breeds in danger of extinction in Spain, as well as collects language and words on the verge of extinction. And, you know, that we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight in our conversation. She also writes a monthly column related to food, about lost recipes, foods, roots. Um, uh, Her last one is about walking through the countryside looking for asparagus. I just read it and it's fantastic. I I love it and I'm gonna most likely translate that. It'll be available somewhere in English at some point. Um, She's also working on a research project with the University of Cordoba, interviewing and working with women agrarians in protected natural spaces. And she's doing an audiovisual project investigating the rural and urban dichotomy, um, interviewing rural writers. Tonight, uh, to kind of jump off, Maria is going to read a selection in Spanish first, and then I'll read the same piece in English. Uh, And then afterwards, we'll we'll have a bit of a conversation. And I hope that during that time, um, if something comes to mind, you write a question or you want to make a comment afterwards, please uh, feel free to do so. We'll have plenty of time for that. So, Maria, por favor. Hi, hola a todos. Uh, first, I need to say thanks to Curtis, to Skylight Books, to Halley uh, for making this meeting possible, uh, for giving me the possibility to speak about Plan of Women. So I hope we, we have a good time. 
Um, as say, as Carly says, I'm going to read first some some excerpt from Land of Women in Spanish. Por suerte, pertenezco a una generación que brilla y que tiene una labor fundamental. Rescatar a todas esas mujeres que han quedado apartadas a lo largo de los años, sin voz, como se dejan solos, sin remordimiento ninguno, a esos muebles de algunas casas vacías junto a las polillas, amparados bajo una sábana inútil que no ofrece ninguna protección. Solo la invisibiliza, solo apaga su voz. Gracias a este despertar colectivo, gracias al feminismo, surge una búsqueda incansable y necesaria. Al fin, estamos conociendo a científicas, escritoras, activistas, pensadoras, ecologistas, conservacionistas, mujeres que se movieron y destacaron en un mundo de hombres, pero que por el hecho de ser mujeres, pasaron totalmente desapercibidas. Afortunadamente, hoy los papeles han cambiado. Las historias de las mujeres salen a la luz y se convierten en referentes, modelos a seguir y vidas que contar para las niñas de nuestros días y de los que vendrán. Cuando empezamos a ser conscientes de lo importante que es reconocerse en alguien, surge un sentimiento nuevo. Sentirse hermana de alguien que conoce el camino, convertirla en una pieza clave en nuestra historia, en un engranaje que nos permitirá crecer día a día. Una estela que poder continuar y crear, al fin, nuestra propia narrativa. Queremos mujeres en todos los espacios, que sean ellas las que cuenten, formen y construyan. Que sean ellas las que puedan dar el paso adelante sin sentir miedo ni vergüenza. Es algo que ahora vemos completamente normal en nuestro día a día. Nos enfadamos y notamos que no hay mujeres en cualquier lugar y evento. Alzamos la voz, escribimos, nos manifestamos, celebramos. Y yo, mujer que procede del medio rural y que trabaja en él, me vuelvo a sentir hoy como ese péndulo oscilante del reloj de la pared como una cuerda que cae pero que a la vez está sujeta, como ese cubo que bajamos al pozo sin saber qué nos traerá de vuelta al subirlo a la luz. Porque estoy intentando construir una casa, una casa donde tengan refugio todos esos destellos que me han traído hasta aquí, unos cimientos y unas paredes que den cobijo a las palabras, a las nanas, a los animales, que pueda sentirme acompañada, no de fantasma, no de sombra que me sienta segura para hablar del lugar del que vengo y en el que vivo. Pero siempre que empiezo a poner el siguiente ladrillo, pasa lo mismo. La casa que construía solo estaba llena de hombres. Mi narrativa invisible, las mujeres de mi casa, como la umbría, esa zona de las laderas en la que apenas llega el sol, esas vertientes que por su orografía quedan dedicadas a la sombra. En la umbría también crecen especies fuertes, Árboles y plantas que necesitan más agua. Animales que van en su busca para refugiarse y alimentarse. Como los hombres en verano que se sientan en ella a descansar entre faena y faena. La sombra, la falta de luz. Que no podamos verla, o mejor dicho, que no sepamos verla, no significa que no estén ahí. ¿Acaso además del nombre necesitamos la luz para existir? Vuelvo a ese proyecto de casa y miro a mi alrededor. Reduzco en los libros, en la estantería, en los recortes. Leo lo que escribieron sobre el medio rural otro antes. Lo que escriben sobre el medio rural otros ahora. Y tropiezo. Tropiezo una y otra vez con esa literatura que nos llama granjero. Que nos asocia siempre a la palabra vacía. 
que nos describe desde el paternalismo y las grandes ciudades, que nos visita para reportajes graciosos, que se empeña en escribir del medio rural como si fueran sepultureros, que usurpa la voz de los que se manchan las manos de tierra y habitan entre campiña y montaña, que tampoco, qué sorpresa, las nombra a ellas. Nuestro medio rural necesita otras manos que lo escriban, unas que no pretendan rescatarlo ni ubicarlo, unas que sepan de la solana y de la umbría, de la luz y la sombra, de lo que se escucha y lo que se intuye, de lo que tiembla y lo que no se nombra, una narrativa que descanse en las huellas, en las huellas de todas esas que se rompieron las alpargatas pisando y trabajando, a la sombra, sin hacer ruido y que siguen solas, esperando que alguien las reconozca y comience a nombrarlas para existir. Fortunately, <coughs> excuse me, this is, uh, this selection is from the first chapter of Genealogy of the Countryside. <coughs> Fortunately, I belong to a brilliant generation that has a crucial task to rescue all those women who have been pushed aside over the years, left alone, without remorse, without a voice, like those pieces of furniture in some empty houses, together with the moths, covered by a useless sheet that offers no protection. It only makes them invisible. It only extinguishes their voice. Thanks to this collective awakening, thanks to feminism, a tireless and necessary search emerges. At last, we are getting to know women scientists, writers, activists, thinkers, ecologists, conservationists, women who moved and stood out in a world of men, but who, because they were women, went completely unnoticed. Fortunately, today the roles have changed. The stories of women are coming to light and becoming reference points, offering role models to follow in lives that matter for girls today and for those to come. When we begin to be aware of how important it is to recognize ourselves in someone, a new feeling emerges. To feel like the sister of someone who knows the way, we can turn her into a key element in our history, into part of the apparatus that will allow us to grow day by day, a path to extend and create, at last, our own narrative. We want women in all areas and spaces. They should be the ones who narrate, teach, and build. They should be the ones who can move forward without feeling afraid or ashamed. It's something that we now think is completely normal in our daily lives. We get angry if we notice that there are no women wherever we are in any kind of event. We speak out, we write, we take to the streets, we celebrate. And I, a woman who comes from a rural community and who works in it, today I feel that swinging pendulum on the wall. I feel like that swinging pendulum on the wall clock like a rope that falls away but is at the same time attached, like that bucket we lower into the well without knowing what it will bring up to us when we raise it to the light. Because I'm trying to build a home, a home to shelter all those destellos, those flashes that have brought me here, some foundations and some walls that give sanctuary to words, to lullabies, to animals, so I can feel accompanied not by ghosts, not by shadows. So I feel safe to talk about where I come from and where I live. But whenever I start to lay the next brick, the same thing happens. The house I was building was only full of men. My invisible narrative, the women in my house, 
like the shadowy area, that part of the mountainside the sun hardly reaches, those slopes that, due to their orography, remain steadfast to the shade. Strong species also grow in the shade, trees and plants that need more water, animals that search it out for shelter and for nourishment, like men in summer who sit in it to rest between work and chores, the shadow, the absence of light, that we can't see them, or rather that we don't know how to see them, doesn't mean that they aren't there. Is it possible that besides our name, we need light to exist? I go back to that home project and look around. I search in my books, on my shelves and newspaper clippings. I read what others wrote about rural communities before, what others write about rural communities now, and I stumble. I stumble again and again over that literature that calls us farmers, which always associates us with that empty word, which describes us out of that patronizing attitude and from the big cities, which visit us for their funny news stories, which insist on writing about the rural community as if they were grave diggers appropriating the voice of those whose hands are smudged with dirt and inhabit the countryside and mountains. Nor do they, what a surprise, mention Ayas, the women. Our rural community needs other hands to write about it, hands that do not claim to rescue it or situate it, hands that know about the sunny spots and the shade, about light and shadow, about what is heard and what is intuited, about what trembles and what is not named, a narrative that rests in the footprints, in the footprints of all those women who wore out their espadrilles walking and working in the shadow without making noise and who remain alone, waiting for someone to recognize them and begin to name them into existence. Okay, all right. Thank you, Maria. That was, it's so great to hear you read that in Spanish. Um, so I'd like to start by, by asking you about some of your language. Um, in, in particular, you know, we're talking about some very particular language here, but um, in particular, I want to ask you about the word feminism. Um, it's, a, it's a really ample word, right? And it's one that's, that you use, I think, throughout this book, but in both general and specific ways. So could you, could you maybe discuss how, how that how you're using that word and how you're thinking about feminism related to land of women. First, I think that feminism was the flash, the blow, that door that opens, the blindfold that falls from your eyes and reveals another way of seeing everything and of understanding many things that surround you and don't stop happening. In my case, Feminisms uh, show me the importance and the roles on the paper, the, the life of the women of my family, you know. And feminism for me is something you can let, let go of. Once you put the purple glasses, as we say here in Spain, because, you know, feminism is very associated with the purple color. So we say the purple glasses. I have another glasses that are the green for rural, for rural books, but this is another issue. You completely change the way you look at everything 
around you, your mother, your mother, your partners in the work, your friends, you know, the way you you link with others, the way you live in the earth, the way you eat, the way you dress for me is a whole thing. Also for me, it's very important to say that there is no single feminism. And I believe uh, for me, this is essential in intersectional feminism. There is no, for me, single axis of oppression for women. Um, for example, being a rural woman is not the same as being a rural migrant woman, you know? And for me, it's very important to say that and to, to show that. I think that we are often unfair to other women because we think that they are not feminists in the way we would like them to be, you know? And often we don't know their stories, their backpacks, their day-to-day life, their origins, you know, the, the life they, they have to live. Many of them, they can choose, they can decide. For me to be feminist is to understand, to accompany, to be part of it um, is essential, no? Because otherwise, I think we are reproducing the same macho and heteropatriarchal patterns. We are not feminists if we are angry. For example, I always remember a meeting in Madrid uh, three years before COVID, you know, uh, with another journalist, writer, Cristina Garcia Rodero, that is a very famous photographer, one of my favorites, because she has a very, a very beautiful work about women in rural areas and the tradition. And somebody, some, some girls, very a teenager in the public, in the round of questions, she was very angry because she, her mother didn't want to read books, didn't want to know things about feminism, you know? And she was like, what can I do with my mother? She, she doesn't want to read. And, you know, the anger, the... And I told her, but sometimes you have, have you speak, have spoken with your mother about her life, her decision, the, the era she has to live in, because, you know, in Spain, in Spain, we have a dictatorship. So the inequality and the machismo were very, very present in the, la- in the last decades, in the 60s, in the 70s, in the 80s. In the times our mother were born, so to me it was very important. Sometimes we are like, oh, she's not feminist; she's she's the worst, and we don't have this discuss this, you know, this take care, ask, listen, and mm-hmm. um, you know, for me it's very important because until I wrote this book. Before I never have, I never, I have never spoken about this term with my mother or my grandma. So to me, that is also be a feminist. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, 
that that makes me want to take this in a different direction. But before I do that, in other parts of the book, you talk about the idea of feminism being perceived or conceived as something urban rather than having multiple spaces, right? And and I really I admire that about this book and how you're you're saying we need to open up the vision to the rural, but also be aware of the fact that culture is also present in the rural community. You know, interest in in you know diversion is you know something that exists in the rural community that that there isn't such a difference between the urban and rural. And using this concept or using talking about feminism, I think you're in this particular context, you're you're bringing that to light as well. Right. I mean, I, you can talk about that, but I also want to go in the direction of what you were just saying about speaking to your mother. So maybe you want to say something about the urban and rural first, and then we'll get to the conversations. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, I think that the thing here is who has the public discuss. You understand? Do you understand? Um, who's in charge of it? Who's in charge of the conversation? Yeah. Yes, totally. Unfortunately, this conversation is always uh, being from the center of the country and from the big cities. So, in feminist a lot of times it happens. It's like only feminist things happen in the big cities. But you know, for example, in the south of Spain, the the issue with the migrants, women working in the strawberry compound that they are from Africa, from Marruecos, it happens in a small town. And there is a very important group of women that they are syndicalists. I don't know. It's correct to say that they're they're part of a union, and they are women, and they are rural women, and they are doing a marvelous, wonderful things about work, about work, about rights, about you know abuse from the boss, from the the people who are in chair of the public, and the I don't know who to say could is the word invernadero, the green greenhouses, greenhouses. Greenhouses. And this is so important, but the thing is that we don't have the light in that in that areas of the map. We always are thinking in Madrid, you know, and in this central and single narrative. So it's very important to bring that topics about us, no? You know, in a lot of village villages, there are a lot of association of women that maybe they don't have the name of feminism association, but they are feminists because they are sharing their stories, they are help, helping to the others, you know, there are sorority, sorority, I don't know to say well in English. So I think that it's very important to understand that urban and rural areas have different times and different ways in doing things. Mm -hmm. So I think it's the first step to make possible an approach, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like that idea of, of there are different different times and different approaches, but it's approaching the same thing, 
right? It's looking at the same thing and from different angles. Also, you know, we don't we don't have the light on that part of the map. I mean, it's such a such a beautifully visual thing where the light always goes to the center and the light emanates from the center, right? I mean, it's like, this is where it is, it's where it's going. Um, and you know, Kurtis, when the light is in the, in the periphery, in the margins, is mm -hmm. because something very bad happens. Right. For example, I, I'm always giving in Spain, I'm always giving this example, but for me it's very, very clear. Very clear. Uh, there was, uh, you know, El País, the newspaper that is very important in Spain. Uh, I don't remember five, six years ago, opened the newspaper with a very awful title, head headline, mm -hmm. that it says uh, Rural Terror in Galicia. <laughs> because there was a murder. But, but the thing is that when happens, when in a city, happens a murder you are not going to read never in this right. newspaper urban terror you know right. and this is very important to see how the lights it's in rural areas and for yeah. what you know right. and it's very classic and paternalist and condescending condescending yeah condescending yeah. so I, I have a lot, many, many examples of yeah. this because now the narrative is changing, but three, four years ago, it was every week I have, I was picking, you know, yeah. picking titles, picking, picking news, picking headlines, and it was like, oh my gosh, it's yeah. awful. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's shift into this other, to this other thing that you were talking about. Um, have you spoken with your mother, right? And I think that this is also uh, kind of an underlying, not only theme, but also kind of the approach methodology in this book of speaking with and listening to people, right? And, and maybe you can talk a little bit about how this book came about, those stories, the conversations you've had, and the, the consequence of that. But but just you know when you were referring to those to the to the young women at the at your conversation in Madrid saying well my mother doesn't want to read right asking your mother about her past and in this particular place you know in in Spain because this mother was growing up during a dictatorship maybe she didn't really want to talk to her child about that right um, so yeah. Totally. For her, it's very hard to speak about that, you know. For me, for example, it's, it's, it's sad, but I have to recognize that I was that teenager when I was 16, 17, because, you know, I want to be as, as my father, like my, my father, because my father works, my father have the boys, take the the decision, you know, he, it was like the head of the of the house, no? So I could say that this book, Land of Women, grew up of wanting to talk for real, to talk with my family, especially with the women, no? Like my mother and my grandmother. It's important to say that my mother, who was born in 1960, she's 
she's young, she's not, uh, she's, she's a, a young woman. When she was 12, she had to leave the school to start working in the country. And she never, she could, couldn't decide what she wants to do. If she wants to study, if she wants to, you know, to work in the country, she never had that option. So to me, it's very important to to speak about this because maybe if my mother could could follow following the study the studies and and with the school, maybe the first writer and maybe the woman who will who were here speaking with us could be my mother, not me. So to me, it's very important about uh, speaking about that because. My mother never had the same rights and option that I have always. I have always, I, I could decide what I want to study. My only concern were, were study, being a teenager, being, you know, a, a normal kid when I was a child. So I think that it's very important and we can't, ideal, um, how to say, we can't um, make the life of our women like in a idyllic, idyllic way, mm-hmm. you know, idyllic mm-hmm. way. That in Spain, unfortunately, it is happening. That they are, you know, some people, some some ideas that are <laughs> trying to get back this facet for me, ideas and politics. Um, one of the, well, in several chapters, you talk about conversations with your father and talk about how when you, when you, when your book of poems, you know, started to get great reviews and, and find success, your father started to tell you stories and started to, you started to find out more things. I'm curious, you know, just from what we're talking about tonight, if at the same time your mother also started telling you a different kind of story. Yes. Could you talk uh, about that? When it's happened, happening, mm-hmm. I start to understand a lot of things. Because, you know, there are two binary stories in some way. The stories of the men in the house and the stories of the women in the house and they are very different you know and sometimes the stories of the men are possible because they are not at home working with things of the house like taking care of the children cooking cleaning you know going to the supermarket to to buy food <laughs> going to the country to to milking to take care of the vegetable so for example i love the stories of my grandfather and my father about goats bird watching taking mushrooms taking sparrows but the thing is that they could and they can't do these things because they are not at home doing these women stuff do you understand it's very important I, 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 after um, before I was I, I spoke about 
the purple glasses. You put that purple glasses and you see the things in different ways. For example, when I was a teenager, I always got angry a lot with my mother. I didn't understand her. I was, oh, I can't, why I can't with you? You are always cleaning. You don't want to read. You don't want to go to the cinema. And after, when my mother told me her story and her life, I, I say, you are so fair. Your mother, when she was a child, she was a complete, she, my grandparents educated her to be the perfect housewife, you know? When she was a child, she played, she played washing, cooking, cleaning the house. So it was very unfair saying and watching my mother in that way because she couldn't, couldn't do anything or, or other things. Her future was decided by my grandparents. They decided, no, you, you can't study. In that way, I think I love so much these sentences of Maria Gabriela Anzol, the Portuguese writer, no? I don't know how, I can't remember how you translate me into English. Hermanas de un hijo único, sister of an only brother, no? Something like that. Yeah, 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 right. Definitely, yeah. Sisters of an only child, I think is what yeah, it is. Because child. usually when you say an only child, there's only one. But if I'm the sister of an only child, right? You get the idea that it's, okay, there's a son, right? I'm the sister of that. And yeah. And you know, my, my mother's family was very, you know, they were peasant. They're not, they, they didn't have money. But the only, the few, few money they got, they, they gave to my uncle, the man mm -hmm. of the house. And he could study, but my mother, while he was studying, my mother was working in the country because she was a woman. Right, right. And you, you, you tell that story. Right in the in the yeah. second in the second yeah. part of this book, which I'll mention, yeah, I'll mention to to the audience that the book is divided in two sections, part one, part two, and in the first, there, Maria writes about you know some of these larger themes, thinking about genealogy, feminism, care. Uh, like the empty rural areas um, and then what what's needed for a rural community to exist, right? To be alive. And then kind of puts that into context, a very particular context in the second section, discussing these three influential women in her life, mm -hmm. her great, great grandmother, grandmother and, and mother, and, you know, connecting them to a tree or to a particular place, uh, natural place so i mean we could we could talk about so much more here but i th i think um Haley, maybe if you'd like to come back and we can have some questions um from the audience and if there aren't any we can we can of course keep going um but we want to open that up and have a conversation with you as well 
there aren't any yet. Um, but I was gonna ask. I'm I'm not the audience. I mean, I guess I'm a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, please. Do. I was gonna ask um, both of you just kind of what uh, your relationship is like during translation, how that um, how that works for you both, and and what what it's like to translate Maria's work. I mean, I imagine it's it's a great joy. Um, Maybe Maria should answer this first. <laughs> yeah, what it was like for her, because I feel like I was a pain in the ass. No, it was a pleasure. No, 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 no. <laughs> it was a pleasure to work with a translator who is very interested in your work. Um, he, I think he, he totally did it very well because I think he uh, succeeded to put in my place, I don't know it's correct to say in that way in English, and to really get my real voice. And we had some meetings together to discuss about some words, some sentences, you know, some sayings that are very often in Spain. And Curtis always was trying to to be very transparent with my with my work. So to me, it was a pleasure to work with Curtis and I'm very thankful to him because you are doing the best with the book and you are, how to say, you are keeping the book always alive in that way. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I mean, as Maria said, I would write her and because I would be concerned about not getting a word right or not understanding, you know, the full kind of complexity of a sentence or a situation of it. And it, I mean, it was a huge, and still is a huge concern of mine to think about voice, right? Here I am, I mean, I'm from a rural community and uh, from Iowa, but I'm a man, right? And so here I am, the one who is, is imagining you know, how, how does Maria sound? I mean, not just how does she sound, but what is she saying? What is she writing? And, and, and how easy it would be to translate this to cover up more of the, the, the woman's voice or Maria's voice. Um, what I read today in, in translation, I made, I added some extras, let's say, yeah. by, by making sure that women scientists, women writers, right? I mean, that, that that is gendered in Spanish, but in English, we can just gloss over it and say scientist, writer, lawyer, doctor. And typically, you know, we impose a gender on that and it's most often masculine, right? It's most often a man. And here, so it's just, you know, I was, I was uh, quite aware of, of the need to do that throughout this translation. Um, and it was a real, I mean, it was a real joy to do it, um, to work with her and to be able to write her and say, sorry, but can we meet, can we, you know, meet no. on Zoom and just chat about this? No, but just to think of, to have that opportunity and to, that you're available to do that really helps help this translation. I totally, think. I agree. It's stronger book. And it's very nice to meet your translator, to know his face, mm -hmm. his voice, the way he's working, and how I, 
sorry about that, but I'm thinking about a land and a seed who is growing up. It's the same for me. You are you are part of this pro process of growing. A book is growing up and it's very, very wonderful and very nice to me. Yeah. And I didn't mention at the beginning when I first I, I talk a little bit about it in my you know in my note at the end of the book. When I first encountered Maria's work, um, it was through her poetry, and I I love I love her her book of poems and new poems that she's writing, and I think that that was also something that we were able to kind of think about in the translation, knowing that she's a poet, I'm a poet, thinking about how I write prose, identifying in her prose a real poetic style or ear, you know, thinking about how, you know, the sound of her sentences um, and just thinking, okay, you know, I can do that. I can, I can make that sentence sound beautiful, right? And different. And it's not necessarily, you know, the, the kind of literary, uh, literary prose that one would necessarily think with the typical Spanish prose, let's say. I mean, it's a different voice. It's a very different approach to writing prose. And it's one that I find fascinating and, and as I said, really beautiful. Thank you for this. And a I huge challenge to translate. <laughs> <laughs> I think that the point is that you are a poet. Um, when I, I, I read the English translation, I was like, oh my God, you, you can't touch that poetic voice that so you get it so yeah. to me <laughs> i'm very happy <laughs> um people are being very shy and not asking questions so curtis if you want to i would love to just carry on your conversation um, sure sure um one of the something that we haven't hadn't i mean it doesn't really come out in this book but maybe, Maria, you could talk a little bit about the stories that you heard from, you know, as you were you know, having these conversations with your family. Um, how, how much research was involved in that? Were they just conversations that then you transcribed and you said, okay, well, I'm going to, this is it. Or was there also, uh, you know, some serious investigation that was going on? It's totally the second that you say they were very involved in the book, and it didn't stop every time I'm going to my town. I meet some far some members of my family, some neighbors, also people I know from my town, and they are they are keeping telling me stories about my family about their family, you know, stories linking with the nature, with the trees, with the women of the family. So it's a very nice, it was, to me, it's the present of the book. The, the, this possibility, you know, the opening of a window to a new story that are around you, but you never know that, no? Um, I think that sometimes we spoke about this, but... Now I'm very happy, but um, at first I was sad, you know, that I have to be to become a writer, to publish, to get success with my books. 
to my family start speaking about these things. It's like if I didn't was if I wasn't a writer, what happened with all these stories? And maybe we have lost a lot a lot of stories because when I became a writer, my grandfather has died, you know, and I always have a very special link with me with my grandfather, the the vet. So a lot of time I'm asking myself, oh, if I have now my grandpa, I could ask a lot of things that I never asked before because in this in that time you are not you don't give that things the importance that they they need. Right. Yeah, and you didn't, it's like you didn't know what you know now, right? Because of all of these other conversations that you've had to ask him. Yes, it's, it's a month ago, I was with the audiovisual, audiovisual project, and I wrote one thing that the camera says. He was, he started speaking about her grandpa, and he said, oh my God. If my grandpa life now, how many things I could ask? I could ask himself to, to him. I have a lot of questions now that uh, before I knew I never think about, you know. And now it's like he's thinking about all the things he could ask him. And I think that, you know, inside of this book, even though it's about you and it's about Spain, it's not just about you and it's not just about Spain, right? This is the world, right? Where, where oftentimes we ignore, we don't think about those who came before us. We don't have those conversations. And I'm not saying no one does, because I, I think there are people that, that know their history, but it's... I think it's becoming easier and easier to not be aware and to not talk. And what you talk about, what you write about in this book is, is really encouraging that conversation to, to ask and to listen, to be quiet in the presence of those people who came before you or who know who those people are in the photograph, because you don't know who they are, right? And to just to ask those questions. And I, I feel like after I read this and as I was translating it, I was thinking, I need to have conversations with my mother, right? And my grandparents are dead, right? So I can't ask them anymore. I, I had plenty of conversations with mine, but even, even people I grew up with, you know, the neighbors, to ask them, you know, what, just something simple about why they're there, why Iowa, why this? And as you, you know, you, you're you having a conversation with your father about picking asparagus, how do you learn how to do that? And your father's saying, yeah. by walking. You yeah. learn a lot by walking, right? I mean, how yeah. simple and how important. Yes, because we, uh, I don't know what do, do you think for, for this, but we think that the, the, the knowledge their heritage is only in the books, but right. our family, or neighbor, the person that we know, they are, you know, they are full of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And sometimes these peoples, 
never went to school, but they are, you know, they have a lot of degrees in, in the body. I'm thinking always in my grandma in Carmen that she, you know, she, she went four days to the school and to the illiteracies, no cruelty. Yeah. Um, and she knows a lot of things of work in the country that I went to the university, I studied a degree, and I don't know who, a lot, a, a lot of things she knows about the vegetable patch, the trees, the garden, the food. And it's like, why? Why, why we don't recognize all this knowledge, you know? Um, I think that it's very important to, we have this pending conversation because we are in times of uncertainty, climate change, pandemics, crisis, we have wars, we have hunger in the war. There are people that, that they didn't have, that don't have access to food and water. And I think that in this time in which we always wonder so much about the place we want to inhabit, to live, to build, and hope, and the link with the other, not only with the human, I'm thinking in all the beings and the resources on the land. Maybe it would be nice to know where we come from in order to imagine, to build, to think, to speak about new future. And I think that it's very important to to speak about that. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, the, you just use the word a pending conversation. And it's, we have pending conversations with all of these people we know, and we need to take advantage of that, right? Um, I, I like how that word works. If we have time for maybe one more question. Um, yeah, definitely. We, okay. Um, could you talk about why the title, Land of Women? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm very bad choosing <laughs> choosing titles, and I have to say, for example, with poetry books, the first the first things I need to write the books is the title. But with you know, Almatia, love of women is the last. But with poetry, it's like I need to have the the title. And um, with the last of, of women was very very funny because. I didn't know who, what title choose. And my father, you know, he was always giving me a lot of ideas, very bad titles. <laughs> he he, he wants to be involved in the process. So I started to choose words that I love, like land, like women. So I decided with the help of my publisher, Jesus. And uh, we decided with this title, but it knows it, behind the title, you don't have a very mysterious or very good story. <laughs> it's very simple. Yeah. And I think that it's a very good title because, you know, the land always, I think we spoke about this. When you think about the land, about a farm, about, you know, a town, uh, a, a, a sherpa with the goat, with the chips, maybe the first picture that comes to your mind is a man, not a woman. 
But to me, it's also important land of women. They are part in. They are important. They are. They are in that picture. The thing is that we don't see or that light don't uh, focus in right. in in her in them. So yeah, and often I mean you address this in the book. There's a section where you talk about daughter of or sister of, or wife of, you know, it's always someone else owns it. And it's the shift of perspective, right? And say, women also own the land, right? And they, they, they care for the land and into, right? And maybe they are not in that first picture uh, when you go to the country. But the thing is, I'm going to say in Spanish this word because maybe you can't find in the correct in English, sostener. To sustain. Ellas, sustain. They sustain the rural areas mm -hmm. because maybe they are not working with the goats, with the land, but they are cooking, they are cleaning, they are in the house with a word that is unpaid, un unworn, unbelieved. And it's very important to be civilized. This very, very important. It's me. So it, it's it's not just sustained. You're also saying they're supporting, right? I mean, so it's like okay. there there are. I think there are multiple meanings in this. And another reason this is a difficult one to translate, right? But to think, yes. of, <laughs> to, think yeah. of, to think of the, you know, the complexity of that work, and to say, sostienen, sostienen la tierra mundo rural, right? I mean, to, so not just sustaining it, but keeping it alive, supporting others. Taking care, feeding. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do we have? Do we still have more time, or how are we doing? Any other? Any questions or comments? No, if, if people want to have, have a comment about. Something. No, you're doing such a good job asking questions. I think. <laughs> <laughs> in, um, in I'll just add that that in conversations I've had with Maria about the book and just thinking about some background information, she she once told me that she was getting letters from people from different from outside of Spain, right outside of the rural community in Spain, talking about how important this book was, but also how they could have written this book, right? Or they see themselves in this book. They see their parents or their mothers, the aunts, you know? And that for me is, is I think what I saw initially and what helped me think about how to, how to convince a publisher, like, and we're really lucky with Trinity because they were, I mean, they weren't easy to convince, but they were convincible, right? But they, they, they listen to this, that it's not just about Spain. It's not just Maria's story, but a much larger community, right? Yes, and it's very curious because, you know, we have the German and the French translation. And last year, I was in Germany for two months and I have presentation and meeting there in Manage. And there were women speaking about their stories, and they feel 
very identified and they were Germans and Germany have a very different story if we compare with Spain. But it's very curious because each week I go I I am getting new emails from Argentina, Chile, different parts of the world that have read my book and say, This is my life. Two years ago a Chinese student wrote me and translated some part of the books because she felt that she was in that book and we are speaking about rural areas in China. In China. It's another word. Yeah. But I think that to me it was the intention to to create to create a book where the culture of our people and territories is recognized and the stories deserve to be shared and celebrate and heard. So wonderful. It's just the most powerful kind of book to write, too. Um, yeah. And I highly, I demand that everyone is if they haven't yet. <laughs> um, thank you both so much for staying up late um, to be here in LA today. This has been a real pleasure. Great. It's been a, thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.